Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. So we were just talking about the catcher situation for the Cardinals and the trust that this organization, this team has in Andrew Kisner right now. If they decided, Derek, to not bring back Yadier Molina, where do you feel like the trust is with Andrew Kisner right now, both in terms of the front office and then the actual managerial side of things as well? I'm pretty high. They're ready for him to uh, to be a part of the of the team as a catcher, even if Molina does come back. Um, you know, obviously, if Molina does come back, he will probably come back with the same goals, which is to lead the league in innings and lead the league in you know time behind the plate. So, um, you know, that's something that, that Molina puts an emphasis on. But the, the Cardinals are. You know, they believe Andrew Kisner's bat is ready. Um, they really wish there were more innings for him to get, a, you know, experience this season um, somewhere, somehow, just to get him those reps, calling games, building rapport with pitchers, all of that. Just to get the more experience, the better, the more experience, the more situations you're going to see, the more nimble you're going to be, just all of those things. Um, but they but they think he, you know, he, he's really improved behind the plate. Um and that he's ready to do that if uh you know they they're they're comfortable with him being their starter at catcher in 2021 if it comes to that um they would probably outfit him with a veteran catcher um so it wouldn't be what you would see from like Molina and Kisner it would be more like you know 160 kind of split kind of thing not not exactly 50-50 but there would be more of a more of a timeshare there, catcher, if they look to uh, Kisner being their their most often starter. So, Derek, with that being said, I know that the Cardinals and Jesse Sanchez put something out a couple of days ago for MLB Pipeline, saying how high everyone seems to be on this Ivan Herrera. Is, Absolutely. Is Yadi or Molina kind of the key of what happens with Andrew Kisner? Because if Yadi comes back for one or two years, you would imagine that's bridging that gap to where Ivan Herrera can be at the majors. Sure, but Kisner could be the backup, and Kisner could be a bat off the bench. Um, you know, especially if they have expanded rosters. I mean, Kisner still has a has a role in this. It's not like Molina comes back. I mean, they could trade Kisner, but they don't need to. Like, they don't have the redundancy that say they had when, you know, Carson Kelly was ready to be a backup and Kisner was capable of being a backup if they needed to push him. And, you know, that's where they were. This isn't that kind of case. I mean, Herrera is a, is an excellent player, good bat, strong year in Peoria, a legit catching prospect. Lots of teams like him. Um, and, you know, you're right. I mean, it's about two years is about the time when, you know, you could see him and Kisner sharing the job and then, 
Herrera taking over the job. That's entirely possible. But you do have to get from here to there. And in that time, there's still a place for Andrew Kisner. So, Derek, that's kind of more the the specifics on one position. And obviously, Yachty is in the background of all of that conversation. And we talk Yachty, when you talk Wayno, we talk about the Colton Wong decision. It all comes back to one thing. And, of course, that's the money and the uncertainty of what next season ultimately holds for both the Cardinals and Major League Baseball as a whole. From your reporting, from talking with the people that you're able to talk with, is there anything new that that people know now that they didn't know whenever the season ended about what next year could potentially look like? And if not, I mean, how do these teams go into this winter making any sort of deals with so much uncertainty? I mean, they, they, yeah, they are asking that same exact question. <laughs> like, that's it, right? I And I, I, I think... It's interesting because obviously like the NFL and the NHL and the NBA, you know, sports fans are conditioned in some ways for free agent bonanza, free agent palooza, you know, midnight signings, immediate moves and everything like that. Um, Some of that is because those leagues have salary caps. So players want to move and teams want to move. Some of it is because they have windows to sign free agents, like even the transfer period, right. In professional soccer. All right, baseball doesn't have that. Baseball has none of it. They have no deadlines, really. Um, if anything, they have deadlines that slow the market because, for example, like the tender deadline, right? So you wonder, well, why aren't people jumping to sign, you know, Colton Wong right now? Why, why isn't everybody rushing to sign George Springer right now? Well, they don't need to because there's a whole other wave of free agents that's going to come. And you add into that mix exactly what you said. They, you know, if, if I were to go to the Cardinals right now and say, hey, do you know what size your roster is next year? For the first time ever, they'd say no. If I were to go to the Cardinals and say, hey, are you going to have a DH next year? They would go, we don't know. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, hey, how many games are you going to play this <laughs> next season? Well, we got a schedule for 162. It's kind of cute and lovable, but is that going to happen? Yeah, Derek, you know? when's, when's opening day? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Exactly. So, like, none of that is known, and they don't have – they have control over some of it, right? Like, this week, a lot of teams want clarity. A lot of NL teams want clarity on the DH. Will there be a DH next season? Can they at least start building a team knowing that? Other teams are more – you know, a lot of teams, every team – wants to know, is it 26-man roster? Is it 28-man roster? Which do you have to accommodate for? Because that's going to influence some 40-man decisions. Okay, So they want to know these things just like fans do and just like players do before signing and all that stuff, right? Um, This week there's meetings going on, and they could come out of that. But some of that stuff is also related to CBA negotiations and what the union agrees on and everything. It's just it's very complex, and because of that, it's going to be very slow-moving. And you throw on top of that the fact it's so much of what has to be decided they don't control at all because the virus still does, you know, as we sweep into whatever they're calling this, the exports are, you know, the second wave, you know, infection rates are rising, you know, hospitalization rates are rising. There's a lot of concern out there for what's going on in the here and now and not what is going to you know, happen for baseball in April. Um, how many fans will be in the stands? Well, what's happening in the here and now may influence how many fans there'll be in the stands? Certainly, city policies will influence that. Well, what if, what if the Texas Rangers can play to a full house and the Cardinals cannot sell a single ticket? Baseball is going to have to accommodate for that, right? 
because they can't have one team getting nil for ticket sales and the other team raking it in. They're going to have to find a balance for that. And so all these things are very complex, and I get it. It's very boring, and fans just mm-hmm. want to know, why aren't we making a signing for a big guy? Well, you know, I've talked to some folks that say, yeah, you know, it might not be until January. I've talked to a few players, you know, that are like looking for the best deal might take multiple months. Um, Waiting for any offer might take more than a month. It's just, there's just a lot of unknowns. And I know that's not exciting. (laughs) Trust me. I, it's not exciting for me. I used to like to take time off in January. That's not going to (laughs) happen. So here we are. There's just more questions than answers at this point. Again, we're talking with the outstanding Cardinals beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Derek Gould, with us here on Ribs and BK. All right, Derek, this is your opportunity to call BK and me crazy because Bob Nightingale dropped the heat earlier today that the Cleveland Indians are telling people that Francisco Lindor is going to be moved this offseason because they're financially mm-hmm. strapped. We all yep. were on that John Mosellock Zoom press conference a couple of weeks ago is there any optimism that the Cardinals could be interested in Francisco Lindor? Well, let's pull the thread. Okay, so Francisco Lindor is arbitration eligible, so not a free agent, correct? Yep. So the so the determ- so the factors that will determine his salary are basically impervious to market. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is actually going to make a raise um, on his platform year, which will not be this year. He'll use a previous year um, for his platform. So he will get a significant raise, just like uh, you know Chris Bryant, for example, is arbitration eligible going into that final year of arbitration. So they are existing, and I apologize for the use of the term, but it's it's a good one. Is they're in a bubble, almost you know not in not completely unrelated to the market, but protected from it. All right, because they're going to get raises. Um, the Cardinals did not pick up a twelve and a half million dollar option on Colton Wong, in part because they recognize that the market is going to make his salary for the coming year less than that $12.5 million. The market influence is going to reduce that salary. And they can go back to him, maybe, and sign him. Or he might find a better deal elsewhere. But the expectation is that he'll get more guarantee, but not that same salary for 2021. So, given that they made that decision to allow for the marketplace to influence a lower salary, what do you think the chances are that they then go after a guy who is immune to that, who is in the arbitration process and do a huge raise without the guarantee of him then signing long-term? I mean, low, I guess the, the counter to that, Derek, would be the hope would be what you just said. And obviously they would need more certainty than just hope. That's not a plan. Hope is not a plan, but the the belief would be this is not a one-year deal. You're trading for Francisco Lindor for the long term. Now this becomes your next face of the franchise as you're kind of moving on from the Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina Cardinals. You then move into the Francisco Lindor Cardinals. There's no guarantee of that. Sure. You know, and it, he, you know, I mean, it, it sure sets up like there are teams that are going to probably – the outliers in spending. The Mets sure seem to be that type of team at the moment, um, or at least set up to be because of the new ownership and everything goes into that. Um, I just, you know, one year, how, what's the prospect cost? I mean, you're going to trade Jack Flaherty to get him. 
No, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, if you're no. looking at, though, like Nolan Gorman and Matthew Liberatore, I know that the team is certainly high on both players, and mm-hmm. that's a lot of cost control that you're giving up to acquire somebody for one year um, without any, as you said, without any certainty of what it looks like over the long term. But again, yeah. I would I would go back to then it be, then it falls on to the Cardinals to be willing to pony up for that long-term deal. And this is certainly something that they have been hesitant to do. And I, I would love to ask you actually about this, Derek. The Cardinals previously in the 2000s were not nearly as hesitant to go out for the long-term deals. We saw it with Scott Rowland with, I believe it was an eight-year deal. We saw it with mm-hmm. early in the 2000s, Jim Edmonds got that six-year deal. And then eventually in 2011, Matt Holliday gets the seven-year deal we haven't seen anything of that length in terms of the term of the contract basically since Matt Holiday. What do you, is there something that you believe changed um, institutionally with the way that they view those types of deals since 2011 compared to where we are today? So you're not counting Goldschmidt? Because his is a five-year deal. But it was six years total because his was a five-year extension. Sure. So, the, I mean, six to seven is the line of demarcation? No, no, that's that's a fair that's a fair point. Um, I guess that would be the one that they they have done basically since 2011. That's correct. You know, and the, I mean they have they did do a five year deal with Dexter as well, so mm-hmm. that would be reduce that. Um, you know, this is a team that um, tries to avoid the auction. They, uh, you know, they they and one of the reasons why is you know an example is Dexter Fowler. You know. They, uh, they were engaged in conversations about trading for Adam Eaton, who's a free agent again. Um, but you go, you know, to trade for him with the White Sox. Obviously, you saw the package that Washington sent to the White Sox, and the Cardinals were stunned that that's the kind of prospect level that it would take to get that guy. That was uh, reflective of kind of the new world order where um, it wasn't just taking on salary. That wasn't going to reduce the amount of talent that you had to go in the other direction. If anything, that was still going to be the driving factor. And so the Cardinals went into the marketplace where all they had to do was spend money, and they got Dexter Fowler for that position um, and went the extra year to make it happen. So, um, you know, that, that that's, you know, or like, say, the Cecil deal, right, where they jumped ahead and made a really quick move by trying to outbid the market, um, a team like the Cubs that was lining up to go after him. Um, these two deals, you know, sort of inform their next level. I think what is happening is two things. One, yeah, the Cardinals are reluctant to go out and give long-term contracts um, because they would rather have the five-year where they pay a lot up at the front, you know, like they do with Peralta, um, because they want to pay for the production that they're going to get, not production that they already have. Um, and they also want flexibility. Um, they are more likely to give the extensions two players they know, like a Paul DeYoung, got a rather significant extension multiple years, um, right in line with what you're talking about. It just wasn't the money that you're talking about. Um, you know, same kind of thing with Cole Wong five years ago. You know, he got that kind of extension. So that's just kind of become the Cardinals' preferred way to operate is extend the guys they know, extend the guys they have, um, and not get caught up in the free agent market where they've been bit a few times. Um, and they've also lost out on it as a result. I mean, Scherzer is the biggest example, right? Like that was a miss on their part, but they felt that like the right-handed pitcher going into that age was more volatile and it was less likely that they would get a return on the whole 
you know, chunk of that contract, he proved them wrong. And that's a big miss on them as far as identifying when is it right to wade in and was it, when is it not. But it's not entirely on them. It's also the market forces have changed. There aren't that many teams doing those kind of deals when you, when you really break it down. All teams want to pay more over the shorter term. They don't want the long ones. You know, the, the 12-year Mookie Betts deal is definitely an outlier, and that's because Mookie Betts is an outlier. Right. You know, so, you know, the, would the Cardinals have done that? Well, if they had a Mookie Betts on their team, they'd be talking about it. But they could have. They don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they would. Well, how could they have had that? I mean, obviously, the David Price contract was part of that deal, but the, the prospects Correct. that went in return was was not all of all that significant. I mean, any team probably could have matched at least the prospect return. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing, though, to get into because, like, and I know this from experience, right? Like, a lot of times people go, well, what the heck? The Cardinals could have offered that same package, but they couldn't have because they didn't have those specific players. The ask is different for each team. Sure. Okay, so... Like you might go, well, golly, man, you know, the, 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 this might happen, right? Cleveland, they might get like the third best lefty prospect in a team's organization. And it's like, well, shoot, the Cardinals could have offered Libertor. He's one of the best lefty prospects in the game, right? Well, maybe the Cleveland didn't want Libertor. Maybe they wanted Flaherty and that's it. That was the conversation. And the Cardinals ran into this with Tampa Bay a mm-hmm. lot of times when they would talk to them about David Price, right? You want Oscar Tavares. Well, that's not going to happen. Let's move on from that. No, that's the guy that they want. Or they can find somebody else in another organization that they want just as much. Or the Libertor conversations, right? I mean, they, they, right. they yep. apparently wanted Randy Rosarena, and that, that was what it was going to take. And so the Cardinals found a player they really liked in Matthew Libertor. Now, based on what we've seen for a month and a half or so, it, it doesn't look like it's a great trade, but that's that's the asking price. And so that's what it ultimately took for yeah. them to get Libertor, and, and they made that deal. Right. I mean, the Rays wanted Jose Martinez. Um, that was a guy that they had traded for multiple times. And they had talked to the Cardinals about another right-handed hitting outfielder in order to complete the deal because the Cardinals had been looking for lefty depth. Um, it, it should be noted that the Rays and Cardinals had already made a similar trade, right? Fam for Genesis Cabrera, right-handed hitting outfielder, left-handed pitching depth, right? Okay, so the Cardinals were already, you know, they continued to be in that marketplace. And the Rays wanted Jose Martinez as a right-handed hitting option for their matchup-oriented lineup, the one that we saw, especially in that American League East. And they just they, that was the guy that they targeted. And then they liked the upside of Randy Rosarena. They had spent a lot of time scouting him in the minors. And they also had talked about Tyler O'Neill. What, what I don't know, and I, um, maybe sometime it will be clear, or maybe there is somebody out there who does know this, and it, or it's been reported and I missed it, and I apologize for that. I don't know if the Cardinals said pick one between O'Neill and a Rosarena, and the Rays and all their wisdom said, well, we'll take a Rosarena. Or if the Cardinals said, no, Tyler O'Neill's our starting left fielder, and Randy Rosarena has not had playing time or does not have a clear role on the team, we'd prefer to trade him. 
Interesting. Uh, Derek, the last thing that I kind of wanted to get into, because you, you had mentioned the Cardinals like uh, not going out into the market and they like paying for the production that they're going to get, not the past production, which is certainly how all teams should approach free agency. I guess the one thing that, that frustrates me sometimes, frankly, and I'm, I'm not asking you to answer for the team, but you certainly have more more knowledge of this than I would from the outside looking in. I think the thing that frustrates me and some fans is, okay, so you're paying for the future production and you, you want to do these three, four, five-year deals. And a lot of these are going to players in their mid to early 30s. They're 31, 32, 33. And so you're getting that mm-hmm. back end of the deal is age like 35, 36, 37. And when you're handing out these other deals that some of the top free agents are getting, they're hitting the market at 26, 27 years old. And so, yes, it is a 10-year contract, and you're going to pay the back end, and it's probably going to hurt there. But those are the same back-end years that are hurting on these other deals that we're talking about with guys like like Matt Carpenter or Dexter Fowler. And so I I think that's the thing that frustrates me, and I would imagine a lot of fans, is, okay, so why are you willing to go that five years where the back-end is the exact same and you get the same downside as these other players that are hitting the market at 26, 27, but you're not getting that prime, the 27 through 30, that you would get with these other guys that are hitting the market? Have you ever gotten an explanation on that from them? Sure. I mean, I've asked a lot about that. Um, you know, and it goes back to kind of the flexibility. It goes back to, you know, how they manage risk. Right. Um, you know, and it's get, I get why fans don't like the answer that doesn't change the fact that it's the answer, Mm. right? Like, you know, there's just like the contracts that even then you're describing without using names are like, you know, Hayward, right. Um, or, or I guess even better, Harper. Harper, right? yeah. That would be the yeah, one that okay. fans would probably so, point to. Right, okay. Well, Jason Hayward, the Cardinals, offered more guarantee than the Cubs did. He went to the Cubs. But so Harper, fine. Harper, Rendon, uh, Scherzer, um, right? You're talking about these guys. Well, for the most part, the, the type of free agent that you described that's hitting the market at 26 or 27 is a rarity. Mm-hmm. Those are the some of the youngest free agents ever. Um, for the most part, free agents are hitting at 29, 30, 31, just like they are this year. I mean, Jock Peterson stands out because he's 28, right? Right. Um, so Garrett Cole, younger than usual. But, okay, so that's one reason why. The reason why I asked Derek as the backdrop yeah. here, just to kind of uh, interject real quick, is next yeah. year's free agent class because that is sure. the exception, right? Next year's class is what you look at the Cardinals' books and everything's like blinking red lights. Next year could Correct. be the year that they make this kind of a move. And so I'm wondering, based on their past decisions, there's very little reason to believe that they would make that move, but this is kind of the exception to the rule is next year's shortstop class in particular. Correct, and they have sixty million dollars coming off right. the books. I mean, that's that that is by design. Um, you know, that is something they planned. That is something that they looked at with foresight. The one thing, the one thing that they did not plan for was zero ticket sales in twenty twenty. And you know, I just I don't know why they didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess we hold them accountable for not seeing yeah. a global pandemic coming. Um, you know, and the unknown of 2020. I understand what you're saying, um, but the, but there is something to the fact that it, the deals that you're talking about are 150, 140, 200 million dollars mm-hmm. more guaranteed than the shorter term deals that you're talking about. 
and it speaks to the way the Cardinals go about it. Like if they're going to guarantee, you know, like that much money to somebody, they're not seeing it like you're describing it, which is entirely fair, but they're seeing it as a guarantee of $210 million and lack of flexibility for years to come. The out years is what they call them, um, where there might be less production. Whereas on the shorter term deals, if they don't work out, they can move on quicker. And yes, that means getting an older player. And yes, that means maybe sometimes a higher AAV, but like Johnny Peralta is the example of it. And they got an all-star season from him. And then when there was two when there was somebody better than him, an all-star Ledmus Diaz as a rookie who played shortstop well for them, they ha- they could move on. There wasn't six years remaining on that deal. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. I just I it, it is it is difficult to look at the Cardinals books next year and think, oh, flexibility when you've got Matt Carpenter eating up eighteen and a half and Dexter Fowler fourteen and a half and Andrew Miller twelve and you go through these and it's like, man, well, yeah. <laughs> any one of these is not is not come, hurting them, but all of them combined ultimately becomes a real problem. Since for you're putting me in this spot. So take me through the logic of dismissing why, why you are so eager to say that the free agent gives them five good years and then three maybe mediocre years when you won't do the same for the players who are here? I, I'm not sure I understand. So, like you were saying that they should sign a guy for seven or eight sure. years or ten years or something like that and then count on five really good years, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so now take the entirety of, of Matt Carpenter's time with the Cardinals. And is that not a 10-year deal? Yeah, no, and Matt Carpenter was and tremendous, and he was a value for the vast majority of his time here in St. Louis. The, the trouble was the new extension that they added on at the back end. Sure, which has not worked out sure. for them. That is very true. But my point is that you have to, you have to be fair. Right? Absolutely. So if you're willing to give fictional free agent A five good years and five bad years, and why don't the Cardinals do that deal? I could push back and say they did. They did that deal. And now you're just in the years where you're frustrated, um, you know, or you're not getting the return on the salary. But that comes after five years of getting beyond value. Yeah, no, it, it's fair. And um, we can certainly go back and forth on this. And I know the Cardinals would go back and forth with me on this. I just, I instead of dealing in that mid-tier free agent I would prefer that they and this is not something that you would do often but when that when that one-off comes the Francisco Lindor or the Bryce Harper the the potentially generational talent that does hit the market and you're right Derek it is absolutely rare that this would be the case that it would be a, a smart decision but when that does become available I would prefer that they shop in that market than the 12 to 18 million dollar market and that's I think that is an entirely fair argument to make that they should and it's the Scherzer lesson um you know be they need to be ready to identify that kind of player um but their concern is that it's putting all of their eggs in one basket and if that player collapses or that player doesn't work out then you're talking about multiple years of not being able to contend now that's their view i think you could argue the other way um you know star power would be beneficial um you know but I, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you'd like a star player with a lousy team, or would you like a great team with a star player, or would you like a great team without a star player? 
I mean, we all know which of those three you'd choose, yep. right, as a fan. Um, it gets harder when you say, would you just want a, a winning team at whatever cost um, or a star player that might limit the team's ability to win it's a fascinating conversation, Derek. I'd love to have you back on another time, and we can absolutely continue it. But we got to head out to break. Thanks so much for hopping on with us, man. Always appreciate the time. Uh, absolutely uh, love reading your work over at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We always appreciate you hopping on here. Thanks so much for the time today, Derek. Of course. Have a great day, guys. You got it. That's Derek Gould joining us here on 101 ESPN.